Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, a podcast that aims to inspire, engage and connect social workers with other social workers and allied health professionals doing interesting and amazing things across the world. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. the Inside Social Work podcast. I skipped a week of recording. I had a cold, um, feeling better now, but I do need to give my voice a bit of a rest. And even though I do a little bit of batching, some of these solar episodes, I don't really plan too far ahead because I want them to feel very relevant and current. And so I wasn't prepared ahead and uh, my, my voice wasn't really up for a podcast episode. I hope you've been enjoying the solo episodes. It has been something that has been a challenge for me. Um, I know a little while back when I did the imposter syndrome episode, I talked a bit about my own feelings of imposter syndrome and how it took me even a few months to get that episode recorded and published and it was terrifying. And um, the supervision series has been much the same, but slowly, slowly working through it and continuing to put things out there. And I'm really enjoying hearing some of the things that you find helpful and what's been um, interesting to you all as listeners. In today's sessions, I wanted to talk a little bit around uh, how to navigate therapy sessions. And this is something that I've explored in my own practice with clients. And I thought it was something interesting for us to think about as individuals who might be accessing therapy for ourselves. So how do we know what to ask, if things are a good fit, and how somebody practices might be different to what we expect. And that can actually be a little bit tricky to navigate. And sometimes you might get a client who is in a similar work space to yourself and you might make assumptions about what they think they uh, what you think they know about your particular type of work so I'm going to share with you nine different questions that you can ask your therapist if you're the one seeking therapy and if you're not that's okay have a think about these might be questions that you can empower the individuals that you work with to ask or have conversations about. So one of the things I would start off is having a bit of a think about the access, the service that you're accessing and what are their fees and cancellation policies. And over the last few years, we've seen a change in how people access therapy because of the pandemic, moving to online. And so sometimes things like not being able to get to an appointment or having a small cold may not be reasons that you can avoid uh, a cancellation or no-show fee. So it's worth having a conversation with somebody, uh, with your therapist or with the admin person around what are their session costs, what rebates are available, um, an insurance 
rebates, that kind of thing. And are there any limitations to this? So how many sessions do you get? Is there something that might be out of their scope? So for example, under the Medicare Better Access System, individual therapy is able to get a rebate, but couples therapy isn't. So it might be worth having a conversation around some of those things um, and what might require additional documentation or out-of-pocket expenses and understand the financial costs associated with this. So if your treatment plan suggests 10 sessions or 20 sessions, can you afford to keep this going for that amount of time? It can be a really important conversation to have. Yes, it can be awkward. And it's very necessary to allow you to have the continuity of care and the treatment that is required for the particular mental health issue or concern that you're going to therapy for. So that's the first um, thing I would recommend having a think about. The second is actually asking a little bit about the training that that person has done. It's not a bad thing to ask somebody and to find out a little bit more about the particular areas of specialty or areas of interest that they work in so having a bit of a think around we know that somebody who provides therapy through medicare for example has suitable tertiary education and qualifications such as mental health social worker mental health ot um, psychologist clinical psychologist and there are also a number of highly skilled and qualified therapists who aren't covered through the medicare system but who are registered with organisations such as PACFA or the Australian Counselling Association or AFT, the Australian Association of Family Therapists. So it's important to know that if your therapist is qualified and can support your needs, there are a number of different modalities and specialties within those different qualifications that might be uh, worth knowing about and also where you can go to make a complaint if the need arises. So where can you go if somebody breaches confidentiality or um, does something that is unethical do you who do you report it to having a bit of think about that and that might be something to reflect on for your own practice as well is how do clients know or service users know where to make a complaint and have I empowered them and told them about how to do this the third question um, and it kind of naturally kind of um, is linked to this last one is what kind of therapy do you offer? Not all therapists use the same techniques and modalities. And even within those modalities, modalities, some people have different ways of combining them. Some people are quite eclectic. Some people add their own vibe and personality and style. Some are very experiential. So it's okay to ask about those things to see, you know, are they focused more on a CBT? Do they focus more on immediate things like treating symptoms of anxiety or do they do therapy like uh, EMDR therapy, which is really great for trauma and negative life experiences and can be used in conjunction with other tools and techniques. Uh, perhaps you want to try something like schema therapy um, or maybe you're thinking about more single session therapy or long term psychotherapy. So having a bit of a conversation with your therapist around the type of therapy that they use is it short term is it long term and what that how that fits in with your expectations some therapists really do spend a lot of time building deep strong connections with their clients 
uh, psychotherapy, for example, like long-term exploring of behavior, looking to childhood, and they can create change by supporting you to develop deeper insights. But someone might not feel that that's a good fit for them. So it's okay to ask, what kind of therapy do you offer? And having a chat to see if what they offer and their approach matches what your expectations are and what you need. Following on from that, uh, what kinds of um, ther- uh, therapy do they offer? I would encourage you to have a think about how do you know if you're a good fit? So actually either asking them directly or having a think about this. You could ask outright in your initial communication, do you have experience working with others who are in similar circumstances? And I think that can be really important if you're seeking a couples therapist and you're looking at um, navigating uh, the aftermath of an affair, actually asking someone, do you work with this before? Or have you worked with this before? Is this something that you work with often? That can be a very different skill set to someone who works with uh, couples who are polyamorous or with couples who are adjusting to being new parents or pre-marriage counselling. So even within different specialties like individual counselling or couples counselling, then there are a number of other things that therapists might do professional development in or hone their skills in over time because they're seeing more and more people with similar presenting issues so actually asking do you have experience working with these things and having an honest conversation this might emerge you might ask it straight away in your initial communication in your first session or it might start to come up over a few sessions so you might also want a therapist who's comfortable working with certain lifestyle choices Um, or certain jobs you know we have a lot of therapists who maybe are very specialized in working with uh, FIFO workers or people who've worked in embassies or people who work abroad for large periods of time or emergency services so that might be something that's really important to you to have someone who understands the kind of work that you do Um, it could be religious or political ideologies and it's okay to ask some of these questions you need to find therapists you feel comfortable with and to have these conversations to be able to open up. So it's important to ask or to feel comfortable to ask and explore if they can support you with those issues and concerns that have brought you to therapy. And if not, maybe they can refer you to someone else. This isn't a bad thing. In fact, I think it actually shows they're committed to helping you get the right person for your needs. So not every therapist can work with every presenting issue and every client and their needs, wants, desires, hopes, dreams, goals. It's all so different. So it's really important to find the right fit. One of the other things I'd like to ask is, what will therapy look like moving forward? So once you've had a chance to discuss all the things um, I've already mentioned, having a chat with them about what is your, what's the plan moving forward? Is it twice weekly sessions? Is it weekly once a month Uh, is it a period of time where you maybe see them every week for two months and then you have a break what what does treatment look like and have some clarity around this and how to manage expectations um, progress and making sure you have the time and the finances to commit to this process so this is part of why I mentioned at the start it's worth knowing the fees and the cancellation policies so you know if you can commit to the treatment plan so that you can get the best outcomes that you need for therapy. Setting goals. This can be a tricky one. Sometimes we go into therapy 
expected a therapist to tell us, well, okay, what's brought you into therapy? And sometimes people don't know. Sometimes we don't know. We might not have our goals. So if the therapist asks you what's brought you into therapy or what would you get like to get out of therapy, it's okay to say, I actually don't know. Maybe it's something we can work on together. These are the steps that led up to me reaching out for support or these are some of the things I've struggled with in the past. I'm not exactly sure how it all fits in together. It's okay to ask, can you help me create some goals so that you know if you're progressing, if things are working, if treatment plan feels like it is suitable for you. It's really important to know what are you actually measuring and working towards because not every session is going to feel great and not every session is going to be just a chit chat about what you've done that week. We want some direction and some intentionality behind what you're doing. The next few are pretty good to think about in terms of managing boundaries. So it can be hard when you're also a a therapist yourself perhaps to not see someone as a peer and so actually having a think about what's the best way to contact them between sessions do they text uh, do you leave messages with reception do they are they okay with emails being sent back and forth how can you contact them if there is an emergency uh, not so much that you need to call lifeline or kids helpline or go to hospital but Do they have spaces for sort of emergency sessions? How can you reach them in between sessions and what is the communication uh, like? And that can vary for different people depending on their own preferences and perhaps the style of therapy that they use uh, or any administration um, reception sort of considerations there as well. Uh, Two more to think about. The second last one I want you to have a think about is asking, what can you do in between sessions? And I think therapy is not just in the sessions. And to get the most out of these, you need to work, you need to do the work. And I do that in air quotes because that looks different for everybody, but you need to do the work outside the sessions. And I like to think about, um, you know, personal training as an example here is in between PT sessions, you need to maybe look at your eating plan, what you're eating, your nutrition, your sleep, you stick to that plan. You might keep exercising, doing stretches. If you have an injury, you might be working on rehabilitation for that. So therapy is work and the work looks different to different people. For some people, they might have more formal homework, um, worksheets to work through, moods, feelings, emotions, you know, a logbook, or it could be experiential so giving yourself access or putting yourself in situations where you can use the new coping tools and strategies so if you're working on managing social anxiety that's not something you can just talk about you need to start exposing yourself to situations that create some anxiety and then implement the coping strategies for some people it's journaling reflecting stretching out of their comfort zone reading books resources listening to podcasts so you should be able to find homework that fits for you and absolutely ask your therapist what can i do in between sessions how can i make this uh, suitable for me and then with your learning preferences and your lifestyle so if you know that you're not going to read a book back to, you know cover to end cover to end back to front 
whatever the phrase is, um, then maybe if they recommend your book, they say, look, I actually, I really struggle reading. Do you have a blog post or a podcast episode? Or maybe you can find it as an audio book. Um, if you hate listening to podcasts and you want some fact sheets or tip sheets, then maybe ask for that. If someone has suggested journaling, but you get stuck and you think, I don't actually know, what am I supposed to be writing down? What what am, what am I journaling? Is this like, dear diary, today I had a you know ham and cheese sandwich for lunch. Like, what do I write? Maybe you can ask for some journaling prompts or some ideas of how to best use that time if you've only got a few moments each day. So having a think about what you can do between sessions and what your work, air quotes, work looks like can be a really helpful one. And the last one is having a think about asking them, how do you think I'm doing? Can we have a bit of a, maybe you have a recap where every few sessions you might say, how do you think I'm going? Am I working on the right things? And ask that for yourself as well. Maybe the therapist has picked up a thread or a, or a theme that you think, yeah, that's actually really interesting, but it doesn't feel as relevant as this right now. So asking them for feedback, but also giving them your feedback and insights on what is working for you and what you might need some help with or you might be thinking actually yeah this is really relevant I can see the impact of this and let's keep going down this path because we're always trying to balance some of those uh, symptoms that are getting in the way or day-to-day functioning or impacting our relationships while also sometimes looking a little bit deeper to find some of those root causes and it can be a little bit of uh, back and forth with those different things so having a bit of a chat around Uh, How do you think I'm doing? And I might add on to that, maybe not so much a 10th question, but how do you review it? How do you know things are working? So you could ask, how am I doing? Um, And also, how will I know this is working? And what can you do if it isn't? Uh, What do you say if it's not the right fit? What do you do if you're just not gelling with your therapist? They're all really important things to consider. And if after all of that, it still doesn't feel right, it's okay to maybe have that chat and then explore a referral for another practitioner. Um, But we know that that connection between a therapist and client is so important for change uh, and for safety. And so it's okay to feel a little bit nervous. In fact, it's probably expected, but you shouldn't feel so uncomfortable with your particular therapist so it might be that some of the things are difficult to talk about um, or maybe you have a sensitivity to feeling rejected uh, or you perceive particular things as um, disapproving so you know you might want to have a think about what are the things you bring to that space but if you're feeling judged or your therapist just keeps cutting you off or maybe they talk too much or talk too little or things just aren't feeling right and you've tried to ask some of these questions, it's okay to look for somebody else and find the person that's going to be a good fit for you. I hope that was somewhat helpful. Um, A very short episode today, but it's something that's been coming up a lot in the work that I've been doing, um, both with clients, but also personally. And um, I sort of jotted down some of those things of without trying to take the responsibility on as a client, how can I make the most of therapy when I attend? What are some of the things that have caught me out in the past or some of the assumptions I've made? And I thought that that might be a helpful 
conversation to share with people around some of the things to think about to get the most out of therapy. Before we wrap up, I wanted to pop in and talk a little bit about some of the training and workshops that I am running. I'm really excited to be running a few face-to-face programs this year. So I've got a couple left for the year. I have Youth Mental Health First Aid coming up soon in September in Footscray and one coming up again in December. So there are still a handful of tickets left for the September course, which is so excited that it's nearly sold out. I'm really, um, I'm absolutely thrilled. And I have an online version running in October. So this is one that you can access from anywhere in Australia. Uh, There is an online component that you do in your own time. And then there are three, two and a half hour live online workshops. Uh, from 9 to 11.30 Melbourne time. So these have been really, really popular. Um, I'm trying to do the mixture of deliveries face-to-face and online to try and support people who maybe can't get into Melbourne uh, or who live in parts of Australia uh, that they just wanted to do the workshop with me rather than someone local. So that would be awesome. There'll be a link to those in the show notes. But I wanted to refresh your memory on what that is. If you remember a while back, I did an interview with Dr. Claire Kelly from Mental Health First Aid Australia, uh, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I, I honestly do believe that everybody should do a mental health first aid course. And just like physical first aid, knowing CPR, uh, knowing how to assess for danger, for breathing, um, how to, you know, manage a bee sting or what to do if someone is is bleeding or has a burn I've used my mental health first aid skills hundreds of times more than I've ever used my physical first aid skills how to support somebody if they're having a panic attack how to respond to thoughts of suicide to non-suicidal self-injury looking at signs and symptoms of anxiety depression psychosis eating disorders They are all skills that even as a clinician, the mental health first aid component is very different to what I would do in therapy. And sometimes I learn something new. Uh, Almost every course, to be honest, I've run probably close to 40 of these over the last few years. And um, I learn something new each time from one of the participants. They are so incredibly valuable. So if you work with uh, teens with 12 to 18 year olds or even up to 25 year olds Uh, if you work in a school if you're a sports coach um, if you know someone who you think would be interested feel free to share this with them as well I really I really encourage you to have a look if you want to do the training with me there's some links in the show notes Um, otherwise check out the MHFA Australia website to find an instructor near you hope to see some of you there that would be awesome Um, And if you work in schools, I've also got my supervision group running for school social workers and school counsellors. So that is one of the areas I'm particularly passionate about and support as much as I can. It can be a very isolating role, being an uh, allied health professional in a school setting uh, with a lot of teachers who are wonderful and I love working with teachers. They don't have the same training as us. So sometimes we can feel quite isolated or alone. Uh, Their bread and butter skill set is in education and ours can often be uh, very different from that. So having a peer group 
developing a peer group and having an experienced supervisor facilitate those conversations, help with case conceptualization, uh, look at resources and understanding some of the difficulties that come in working in educational settings or environments where you're a lone worker. Um, of your own prof- of your profession can be really helpful so if you'd like to join me I'm running a couple more of those uh, there once a month on a Wednesday um, until the end of the year it, for me I'll be back next week with another interview for you uh, so keep your ears peeled for those for that I guess uh, and please if you enjoy this episode uh, please feel free to let me know i'd love to hear your feedback uh you can leave a rating or review wherever it is you get your podcasts thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode the inside social work podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay our respects to elders past present and emerging thank you for listening if you would like to support the podcast you can leave a rating or a review on itunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and feel free to join the Facebook group. It'd be great to hear from you. Have a lovely day. Bye.